Hello and welcome to Constitution Corner. I'm your host, Robert Owens. This past Monday, a federal judge blocked key parts of California handgun law because parts of the legislation violated the Second Amendment. How did that happen? Will that ruling stand? What does that mean for the future of gun ownership rights, especially in liberal states like California? Now, before we answer these questions, please take a moment to like and share this content and subscribe to our channel. This simple and quick action impacts the search algorithms, and the result is this message of liberty is furthered. The California law that was struck down by a federal judge this past Monday requires new handguns to have a chamber load indicator, a magazine disconnect mechanism, and micro stamping capability. In issuing a legal order called an injunction to block the enforcement of this law, the judge noted, no handgun available in the world has all three of these features. Going further, the judge stated in his opinion, the grandfather clause in the law that permitted continued ownership of handguns made prior to 2013 is not a sufficient safeguard of Second Amendment rights. Californians have the constitutional right to acquire and use state-of-the-art handguns to protect themselves. They should not be forced to settle for decade-old bottles of handguns to ensure that they remain safe inside or outside the home. Now, conservatives are cheering this ruling, but liberals are sneering at it. Is it possible both are wrong, but not for any reason they saw coming? And most importantly, is any of this constitutional? Well, let's take a look. The Second Amendment reads, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. For more than a hundred years, there was very little disagreement over the meaning that the Second Amendment vested individual citizens with the right to privately own, carry, and sell firearms or weapons of war of pretty much any description. Further, it was understood that the highest goal of this right would be as a check and balance against human inclination to seize total government power. Certainly, there are people that disagree with the sentiment as a matter of public policy, but there's no legitimate disagreement that at the time the Second Amendment was adopted in 1791, this is what they had in mind. Now, if you're paying close attention, you might say, wait a minute isn't the purpose of the Bill of Rights to protect individual rights and state sovereignty against federal overreach. As in, shouldn't the Second Amendment be used to strike down federal laws, but not necessarily state laws? In fact, this was explicitly stated in the Supreme Court case of Barron versus City of Baltimore. But the California disarmament law that was struck down by this federal judge, well, it wasn't a federal law. It was a state law. Well, does that make a difference? Yes, it does. But should it? In 1868, the United States recognized the ratification of the 14th Amendment, despite the fact that the completeness of that process is to this day somewhat controversial. Now, far more controversial is the interpretation of the 14th Amendment to include something called the incorporation doctrine. The incorporation doctrine is a constitutional theory where the first eight amendments apply to state laws as well as federal laws. The due process clause reads an operative part, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. 
Now, where does that explicitly say that the Bill of Rights now applies to the states? It doesn't. Well, let's put that significant issue on the shelf for a moment. We're going to come back to it. Last year, the Supreme Court issued a landmark decision on the Second Amendment, which held in essence that if government saw any way to limit or abridge the right of an individual citizen to own and carry a firearm, that limitation would have to be subject to a constitutional test of strict scrutiny and must further have a definable historical allegory, which is evidence, that would have existed in 1791 when the Second Amendment was ratified by the federal government as applied to federal laws, or 1868, the date of the 14th Amendment was ratified as applied to state laws. Now, if you're an advocate for the private ownership of firearms, you can celebrate this case as it reaffirms the understanding that the Second Amendment explicitly confers an individual right to private ownership of a firearm, and that a right to own a firearm extends to being able to bring it with you outside the home. The case further instructed lower, lower courts to view all firearm laws within the purview of strict scrutiny, which is the highest standard of judicial review. This leads to virtually all laws subjected to it being struck down. The Supreme Court also directed lower courts that in order to even consider a law being constitutionally valid, there must have existed some similar law at the time of ratification. Again, since the federal government ratified the Second Amendment in 1791, that is the analysis date for federal laws, because the 14th Amendment is purported to have been ratified in 1868, that is the analysis date for state laws. Now, let's come back to the incorporation doctrine issue that we left on the shelf earlier. Advocates for the Second Amendment should be suspect of decisions that well, seemingly favorable, in the process of issuing that favorable decision, the power of the federal judiciary grows, especially if that growth of power is unnecessary. A good argument can be made that the recent spat of federal courts striking down state gun laws using the incorporation doctrine is ultimately a bad deal. This is not to say that the proper judiciary the state judiciary, in the instance of state laws, should not act in accordance with constitutional principles. Many states that have far left legislatures passing all kinds of crazy gun laws nevertheless have state constitutional provisions that properly resolve the issue without resort to use of the incorporation doctrine. For example, in Michigan, Article 1, Section 6 of their Constitution reads, every person has a right to keep and bear arms for the defense of himself and the state. In Pennsylvania, Article 1, Section 21 of the Constitution reads, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Going further, it is the responsibility of local officials, especially the sheriff, to respect and abide by the constitution of their state. In the instance of Pennsylvania, the far left legislature and governor can pass whatever crazy civilian disarmament laws they like. For if they do, it is the state courts and the local sheriffs that are the key spots 
where the constitutionality of those provisions are properly put to the test. Don't just know your constitution, live it.